I'm Denise Crosby, and this is the Shuttle Pod Show. So Harvey Weinstein wanted it, wouldn't would not. You made wanted. Weinstein sit down and watch it. Absolutely. <laughs> wow, good for you. Good for you. Uh, is this the, part of the naivete that you're talking <laughs> about? Yes. yes. <laughs> Hi everyone, welcome to another episode of the Shuttle Pod Show. Today we have very special guest, Denise Crosby. We'll be answering some more of your fan questions, doing some Star Trek trivia, getting onto Connor's remote island, and much more. Um, As always, our Patreon members will get a full extended version of this show. I'm Erica LaRose, and now for our host... Connor Schneer and guest host Mark Cartier. Hey! 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 It's hard to believe that uh, we have a little bit of sunshine. We've been having what is it, a, a bomb cyclone or whatever they call that right now? <laughs> Sky River. Is that what exactly. They call it? <laughs> yeah. So we have a, a a brief respite from the weather and a bit of sunshine. Um, I brought it. You think Denise brought the sunshine? <laughs> Thank you. As always. Uh, how are you guys doing? Good. How are you doing? Good. How are you doing? I'm doing excellent. Thank you. <laughs> so far, five days in. Five days into uh, the new 2023. Oh, yeah, that's right. right. We're in a new year. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I haven't quite felt as though I'm I'm really doing all of my New Year's resolutions just yet. I'm I'm, I'm sort of like easing into them. Apparently. Well, that's funny because I lost 40 pounds since 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 the 31st. New Year's Eve. <laughs> <laughs> What's your secret? I didn't lose any weight. <laughs> yeah, you did. Sure. Then you made pies. Sure you did. <laughs> I did lose weight last year, yes. Right. A lot of weight. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I made a lot of pies. And then you made a lot of pies. Mm. And I gained it all back. That's right. Mm. Uh, how's um, Dash doing? Oh, he's in a new feta cheese pot. Yeah. He's in the same feta cheese pot as last week. <laughs> as, l- yeah. as last week, but we're going to fix that. Yeah, nothing but the best for... Um, and, yeah, uh, we're kind of hoping to uh, that our fans. The, uh, Wash has more fans than any of us do, so uh, we're, <laughs> we're hoping. And uh, Wash is the avocado tree. He's man. the sad avocado oh, tree that oh. he has a little bit of help in the feta pot. Wow, people are sad that he's not doing. Yeah, very so well. we're going to invite uh, fans of Wash to send in like sweaters for the pot or some sort of decoration. You know, we should probably make maybe T-shirts with Wash on it just for um, uh, just the yeah. dying avocado tree. Yeah, avocado you, tree? You, you might want to. Take him outside, no? He's outside sometimes. He oh, spends okay. a lot of his life outside. Okay. Yeah. He lives in space. Oh. <laughs> right? Like, we like where do. we are right now. That's right. Okay. Yeah. We need something to put in our old pot, though. So if you guys have any ideas or if you want to send us a plant. That's a good idea, actually. It's a, yeah, and it was a really good home to wash, uh, even though uh, yeah. he got a little sickly. It was because of probably me, not because of the well, I have heard that um, if you put um, an avocado tree uh, in a in a feta <laughs> box bucket, bucket yeah. um, they, they thrive. Yeah. Wow. So so we're seeing. We're going to see. Fetacado. Feta- <laughs> <laughs> it's a soon fet- to be salad. So, yeah. <laughs> on on oh, all no. the latest menus. <laughs> That's right. I'll have a fetacado, please. <laughs> I heard about it on the shuttle pod show. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, treks and trekkers. Uh, We are once again here in the Bird's Nest at the Matrix Theater, being hosted by Rogue Machine Theater Company, and uh, always grateful to them. Thank you. We are beyond thrilled to have uh, a dear friend uh, on the show with us today, Denise Crosby, Tasha Yar from The Next Generation, and Tasha Yar's daughter, Celia? 
Celiac disease. Celiac disease, yard. Can't eat gluten. Can't eat gluten. Right, right. How are you? I'm so good. I'm really good. Um, Yeah, just uh, easing into the new year myself. And, Mm -hmm. you know, we're about to take a little trip. You and That's me, right. um, a nice little cruise ship. That's right down the Baja. We don't um, have to uh, fly. Not, a, we're going to. Are we going to? We're going to mainland Mexico too. We're going all the way oh, down yeah? to Mazatlan, I right, think, and, right. and, and then coming back. And I think, if I'm not mistaken, that it's still going to be uh, a whale breeding season. So they take that whatever that whatever oh. that Pacific Ocean Highway is down in, in the. I forget what it's called. The um, the whale. The, the whale, whale highway. baby hospital. <laughs> yeah, but you can send them everywhere. Oh God, I what hope is it? What so. is it that would be pediatrician? Fabulous. The whale pediatrician hospital. Is that where you're born? Where are you born? <laughs> uh, at a hospital. I know you're born in a hospital, but isn't it called like, Not a certain the children's hospital? <laughs> yeah. uh, the pediatric ward from a, a children's hospital. Sure. I don't know. Um, babies. I can't wait for that. It'll I be fun. know. I know. So that's that's kind of wonderful. And um, yeah, I've just been you know hanging out with family and. Spending some holiday time. And Good holiday. Yeah. Quiet. Yeah. Simple. You right. know. Right. It's kind of on the menu these days. <laughs> I totally agree. It's nice to also. We've had oddly in uh, Southern California a stretch of rain that I don't remember in oh. uh, at oh, least a decade years years yeah. Yeah. years yeah years and it's it's a it's nice to sort of like you know curl up with mm-hmm. um, a book. Yeah, or books, watch movies, and, and have the rain. I got out. some new slippers for, for Christmas. Right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> breaking them in. Comfort stuff. Uggs. Oh, all, nice. All cozy. All. I still need to get cozy. Some. <laughs> so you're you're a rare person in Los Angeles, in that you come from here. I do. I was I was born in Hollywood. Um, weird. I know Hollywood. <laughs> Hollywood. Yeah. At uh, the original Cedars. Speaking of where, oh. you know, people, it was, it was, it was Cedars of Lebanon. Where, what? Really? Yeah. And you know where it, where it was, um, on Fountain, which now is the Scientology building. Oh. The blue oh, big one? blue one. The big blue. Si- I did not know I that. I was I born that. in that building. Wow. Mm-hmm. Wow. You were either born there or Hollywood Presbyterian. I mean, those were the two hospitals. Which is like two blocks away from mm-hmm. there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. That's like sort of hospital village. You yeah. Know, there's children's. There's, Kaiser. Right. Yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. All right there. So did you, um, you grew up in Hollywood? I did. Yeah. Where? Uh, so kind of in the, um, uh, I think my, f- my mother's first place was on La Mirada, just off of Vine Street. Mm-hmm. We, we lived in this um, cool studio apartment that, uh, uh, Dennis Hopper lived in one apartment and Johnny Cash had just gotten out of jail and was no living way. in another oh, wow. apartment. And um, and then we moved uh, on Cahuenga into like a little guest house mm. uh, from a, a very old, funky little guest house. You know, it was just she and I right. for the first five years. Yeah. So she was, uh, you know, working hard, trying to make a living with a brand new newborn sure a new little denise <clears throat> how early on were you interested in acting or theater or anything like that you know so i think i was always playing around with it like in in even as early as elementary school you know i um i remember 
narrating the Christmas play. Mm. Okay. So like you had, you had all the, all the singers, all the chorus on risers in the auditorium and they were singing the little drummer boy and they were singing, you know, silent night. And I, off to the side in a kind of faux living room setting, you know, good, good evening, ladies and gentlemen, (laughs) welcome to Vine Street Elementary's Christmas pageant. And I had to, I had to narrate, um, I I had to introduce each song and then I had to recite to us the night before Christmas. Oh my God. I had to memorize that. So that was my first monologue. As a kid. Uh Yes, as a kid. I couldn't memorize that as an adult. Uh, I I probably still know it, but don't, I I won't, I won't bore you. (laughs) Um, But um, of course I went through a rebellious period where it was my family trade, you know, obviously my grandfather, you know, uh, was Bing Crosby. And so there was a lot of assumptions that I would, I would, I would go into that. And it was like, oh no, oh no, I'm going to be so, I'm going to be so not that, right? you know, so I went through my punk rock, Laurie Anderson, you know, phase right. learning music. I thought I'd be, you know, a classical musician or something. Really? Yeah, I was studying classical guitar and classical flute. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I I mean that that went over real well in my household. I was still, you know, living at home and and you know, my my step I had a stepfather by then and he was just what did we do? What did we do? At least it wasn't drums. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah. you've, you've told me um, some stories about, and I imagine this is before you really kind of got into the business or maybe not like, you know, you were, you, you had a sort of a, a bohemian sense to yourself and you, you would pick up and take off to Mexico yes. and um, just sort of live. Yeah. You know, I went through that, that, that period of, uh, as a young girl trying to find out, you know, find myself. Mm-hmm. And so I lived on a, uh, organic farm in Malibu for a year, you know, in a little shack with my boyfriend. And that was after we came back from Mexico. Yes, we took off. So yeah, I told you that story. We, 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 Bonkers. we, we got a VW, <laughs> I mean, quintessential, you know, we got a, bus. We got a VW bus, How cool. gutted it, um, rebuilt the cabinets, mm-hmm. put a bed in it, um, got enough supplies, books, art, uh, you know, crayons and and pastels and and two dogs and the three of us and we were headed to uh, Costa Rica, an island off of uh, you, your boyfriend, and who's the third person? My friend Dave, and two dogs, oh, okay. and we took off and we were we were we really weren't coming home back. Yeah, our intention. We got, into a, we got into a really bad car accident that oh, precipitated, heavens. you know, coming back. So, um, but. And then you went back. And then I had, well, I had to leave. One dog died a couple oh. days after the accident, but one dog I had to. Because I had of to the keep, accident or? Because of the accident. Uh, yeah. I, I'm pretty sure. I don't know. We, the ambulance came to get us. We had flipped the car. I say we, but the driver, we picked up, we met this guy in Arizona who was kind of like a Svengali to us. And he, we were kind of under his, his sort of hypnotic state. He was, he was teaching us things about food and diet. And we became, you know, vegan before there was ever a word called vegan. And we were kind of entranced by this guy. He had this charisma and he said, we invited him to come along with us. Uh-huh. So he was driving 
And I was sleeping in the passenger seat and my boyfriend and Dave were in the back asleep. And the driver fell asleep. Oh. This guy we had picked up. And the, the, the van flipped head over you know back over front and and came and i was knocked out and i woke to being curled up like a snake in the you know how you sit high in a vw bus and you have like this this footwell and i was i was curled up on my side and it was night and the only thing that was um illuminated was the parking lights of the bus so it had this eerie golden glow Mm. i I thought i i was dead in the middle of nowhere in the middle of nowhere of the sonora desert and um the driver had been thrown uh, Uh, but out of the car everybody was thrown out of the car except me except except me um the dogs were scattered we i had no idea where they were um my boyfriend had been thrown like through the double doors along with my friend Dave. They were somewhere across the highway. And the driver had a broken leg and cracked pelvis, so he couldn't move. And he had been calling our names for hours, thinking we were dead. Oh, God. Oh, Jesus. And finally, I came to, I started yelling. Dave and Ralph, my boyfriend, came stumbling out of nowhere all of Dave's teeth were gone. Ralph had a broken clavicle and a big gaping hole in his back. And we all just, I remember laying down. We laid flat in the sand of the Sonora Desert. And we were alive, but we didn't really know how bad it was. And dawn started to break and a a family started driving down the road and sees this wreckage. You know, our car was total. Yeah, yeah, it's amazing yeah. Any, anybody lived. And stopped. And they come running out. We don't speak any Spanish. They oh. don't speak any English. And they, But somehow we communicate. They said, we could, <laughs> I could understand. They were going to the city mm-hmm. and they would send an ambulance. And they did. And that's what happened. So the ambulance finally got to us. We all got into uh, two ambulances, the dogs. Oh, the family said they would take the dogs. Okay. And gave us their address. Okay. Because we couldn't take the dogs. Yeah. And they were they were absolutely, they were like, it was like, they were angels. This was in Arizona or this was in Mexico? This was in Mexico, was in, Mexico. in, in um, Sonora. People are it's nicer th- in Mexico. Yeah. Than they are here. Yeah. That's true. That was, it was astounding. So I, one dog died, one I had to leave there so I could bring my boyfriend back whose spleen had burst. Oh, God. But we didn't know it then. So he and I took a bus from Hermosillo to San Diego and hitchhiked from San Diego to LA. With a burst spleen. And so you, your bus did it, it the bus drove was off total. the road into a, into a power into a tree like it just flipped you know it just went off the the the, the passenger side or... wheels went mm-hmm. off in off the highway and, and it flipped it Ugh. and so it sounds like either the pilot or finale of a great tv show <laughs> <laughs> well I, I you know i'm i've i'm writing this because i and i don't know what i'm gonna do with it you know it's it's really a it's kind of a um, testament to that time 
in the 70s and you know there i mean just imagine no cell phones mm-hmm. you know and there was there's a kind of um you know period of 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 freedom and exuberance in a way and 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 that that desire to to go out and and not be boxed in by your your the way you have been raised or this city or, you know, all of that. And all of us were going through that period in our life. We were. And and it's different now. You know, one, you could feel as though, you know what? We're going to get a bus. We're going to go to Mexico and disappear. Mm -hmm. I don't think people can do that anymore. No. And we're going to read, we're going to read Lao Tzu and we're going to read, you know, mystical books. We're going to, we're going to dig deep down into our psyches. We're going to take hallucinogenics. We're going to, you know, we're going to, yeah. We're going to trip out right. to get back closer. Yeah. Yeah. Now it's, it's funny because all you're, I'm, I'm starting to read about all the, um, the medical um, uses that people are discovering with psilocybin. They're using, you know, yeah. dosing or microdosing, mm-hmm. And, you know, it's Even not acid. surprising. Yeah. 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 It's not surprising that this can unlock you know, certain things and dimensions. I'm not, you know, all of a sudden we're, I'm sitting here promoting a little, my acid is just coming on. Yeah, hang on, exactly. Give me one second. Me yeah, second. right. This, this is, is going to get really good. Are you real? Are you real? <laughs> Who brought a gnome? Who brought the gnome in? Connor, you're melting, okay? <laughs> so uh, did, did that create uh, a change in you when after having that experience? You're how old? I was I th- I was 18. Um it it did. It was um I mean you grow up fast, you know. You're you're making you're making choices and decisions really uh you know mind-bogglingly intensely. And I it took me a while to kind of get back here in LA and feel like I could, I could be here mm-hmm. because everything seemed so trivial and superficial. Yeah. After mm. after going, yeah. you know, to that having that freedom uh, and, and having that experience, you know. Yeah. Um, but eventually, uh, you know, we, you kind of settle back into into your your place, and um, from there, I went like so far. Uh, 180 degrees I started modeling in Europe so it was like a whole different <laughs> yeah you, fr- fr- from being off the rails yeah. from being to like, being on a know, track yeah being you know a hippie girl on an organic say, farm a dirty little hippie to suddenly <laughs> being in London and Paris and you know Glam, glitz. doing staying with the collections and you know doing Terry I was Terry Mugler's um, fitting model yeah. Oh. yeah for how long That's, yeah did you do this that lasted about a year. I lived in London and I just, I, I didn't love modeling. I mean, I, I loved getting to Europe, yeah. you know, on that dime. Right. But I, you know, talk about a, you know, degenerate <laughs> meat market. I mean, it, you know, that yeah. the, you, there's no, there's no respect there. But um, And you're hitting it in <clears throat> the 80s. Yeah, yeah, it was when, like 1980, right, you know, 1981. It's snowing everywhere that it doesn't normally snow. Yeah, <laughs> it, it was, you know, I know what you're talking oh my about. God. I mean, my, you know, and, and I was doing a lot of shows, you know, fashion shows. And um, 
the guy that was doing my hair, uh, he's now like the biggest hairdresser in, in London. Oh, wow. Oh, Nikki wow. Clark. I was in London a couple of years ago, I think at that destination, you know, mm. Star Trek thing. And I was walking around London and I see this enormous, you know, building in Mayfair, the really tony part of London. Yeah. And, and it's Nikki Clark's salon. And I go, oh my God. I mean, he literally was living with his parents on the last tube stop on the worst line in London. And we would, with orange shag carpeting and, you know, he's now like Vidal Sassoon. Wow. So I went in. I went into the shop and I said, is Nikki, is Nikki here? And they said, no, he's not in today. I said, you ha- I have to leave a note for him. We're old, old, old friends. So, you know, I write, dear Nikki, I guess we did okay. Uh-huh. Love oh. you, Denise. Oh, oh that's <laughs> Yeah, that's all, that's all I did. I didn't want to, you know, if he was there, it would have been great. But, you know, I didn't want to drag this on. But. So what brought you back? Just not liking it? You know, it, I think I came for Thanksgiving to see my family, and I just mm. I said, you know, I'm done. Yeah. Right. I don't need to go back there. And, <laughs> and and what? When did you start acting from yeah, there? Auditioning and um, <clears throat> not 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 too long after what? that. I I had done um a, a kind of a so I, I had done Playboy and not a centerfold, but a pictorial that was pretty racy and again it was my um saying you know up yours to my grandfather yeah oh okay (laughs) totally you know i've had enough therapy to know exactly what i was doing and i had um so this this polish photographer had seen me in a, a shop and he said i i would you ever think about doing playboy and i went I don't think so. And he said, not, not, a, not a centerfold, but you just, you have such an interesting look. Can I do some test shots with you? And I'm very close with the, the photo editor, Marilyn Grabowski and blah, blah, blah. And I, I went home, I was still living at home and went to my mom and I said, is this, you know, what do you think about this? I mean, it's kind of, I don't know. And my, mo- <laughs> my mother, opposite to what you think a mother would tell their daughter she goes do it do it it'll be great you'll be you'll, you'll be famous I love it they're, they're, those girls do well and I'm, I'm going okay so I think they paid I would pay me like $30,000 to do this which was a huge shit. amount yeah. of money okay back then yeah back then how, how old were you uh, 20 20 20 that's a lot of and age. 20 or 21 maybe I had to be 21 Okay, so I go with this Polish photographer. He takes me up to someplace in Topanga, which is like an animal sanctuary. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's run by this eccentric, you know, millionaire who's got llamas and peacocks. Do you know what I'm talking about? Have yeah, you, I mean, you know every about that one place? of those. Yeah. It, it, there's, okay, so it's got, he's got like an amphitheater. And so he's got me in these like little frilly, I, I feel like little Bo Peep. Without a top on, right. a topless little bo peep. Uh-huh. I've got like crinoline. It's so not me, right? So not me. And I'm, I'm, I'm. The, after the first day, I'm going. I've. What have I done? What have I done? And do you know? I went to Beverly Hills that afternoon. I walked into Vidal Sassoon's without an appointment, without knowing anyone, and I said, "Cut all my hair off." Oh wow! Oh wow! And they went, you sure? are you sure? <laughs> yeah. And I said, oh yeah, I'm real sure. 
and they sent me, I don't even know who, I didn't even know the hairdresser, sat down and I said, just buzz it off. I was going to say, you could have just and shaved I showed your head. The sh- not, no, didn't shave it, but yeah. you know, really like, you yeah. know, twiggy kind of mm-hmm. haircut. And I showed up at the photo shoot the next day without it telling anyone. I went, hi. And they went, what, the- what did you do? <laughs> what did you do? And I said, I, I just like it. <laughs> and the, just the, the photographer good. went nuts. He said, well, we can't, that we're done. We can't do this. I said, it's okay. I didn't like what, what I was, what you were doing with me. He said, well, we got to go to the, to the, uh, we got to go to the Playboy building on Sunset. I got to show you to the photo editor, Marilyn. We go into this woman's office. She's like, she's like the buck stops there. You know, all things Hefner. She takes one look at me. Why aren't you shooting? And she goes, (laughs) Hef will never go for that. (gasps) Hef will never go for that. There's no girl, girls that look like you in the magazine. And remember, this is like 1980, 81, right. where, you know, hair for days and mm-hmm. big glossy lips. And, yeah, and right. uh, I look like a boy, you know, at that point. <laughs> and there was a photographer there who had just come back from Europe named Philip Dixon. And he was there, one of their star photographers. His girlfriend was now a big cover model in, you know, in, in, in Paris And he looked at me, he happened to just be there taking a meeting, but he stayed. And he goes, no, 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 wait a minute, wait a minute. I like the way she looks. And Marilyn goes, but Philip, you know, this is not going to work in the magazine. He goes, tell you what, let's do some test shots. We'll show them to Hef and if he likes it, we'll do a, we'll do a, we'll do a photo shoot. We did some test shots and they printed the test shots. We never even went further. Never went back. We never, no. In that big, you know, building on Sunset, Philip had a studio. Um, we did some, just some looks, some tests, and that's what they ran with. What we were going to do, oddly enough, we were going to go down to Mexico. And uh, we were going to do these like kind of animal-like beach shots on rocks and very feline-like thing. That was his whole idea. But they went with the test shots. And so that's what came out in Playboy. I mean, this is a long way back <laughs> to where I started acting. Okay. Well, I was going to say, did it, did it do anything for I'm, you? So I'm in Playboy. I get a call. I'm still living in my, with my mom. And I get a call and it's Tony Howard. So she's a huge casting director. She tracked me through the magazine. They gave her my home number. Because, <laughs> you know, that's what they did. That, well, obviously, you know, I mean, she was, it was Lynn Stallmaster and Tony Howard. They were, they were partners and they were the biggest casting people in town. She calls me up and she said, um, you know, this is Tony Howard. I'm casting director. Uh, I'm casting a movie of the week for television called The Diary of a Teenage Hitchhiker. And would you, would you want to, read for it oh wow yeah and i went sure sounds like me <laughs> sounds like me yeah. <laughs> i was that girl yeah. <laughs> let me tell so, you a story about mexico yeah. <laughs> it w- they had already ca- charlene tilton remember charlene oh tilton? yeah dallas she was the lead she was the lead she was and so they they wanted um to cast her friends her best you know her besties so anyway, I went into Tony Howard's office, never been to a casting person in my life, handed me a script, never seen a script before. She said, go take a look, take a look at this. This is the part. 
when you want to come back in and read for me, come back in. And I, I left, uh, looked at it, called her up. I said, okay, I'm ready. Came back in and she said, here's the thing though. Charlene Tilton has been cast as the lead, so they can't cast any of her friends over 5'4". She was very tiny. Uh But I like you. And if you study for some time, if you really want to do this, I'm going to write down three names of acting teachers. They're all good. You go check them out and study for a while, work on your craft, and I'll help you get an agent. Oh, wow. 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 Yeah. And that's, wow, wow. And that's when it's, that's how it began. Did you feel, uh, I always wonder what it's like for someone who just, who, what the feeling that you had when you did your first audition, did you feel like something sort of went and I got it? Or did you, um, feel mm. like you had needed to learn more or did you have some intrinsic sense of, of what you were doing? I, or did you not know well enough to even identify it? Yeah. Um, I didn't have like a eureka moment for sure. Um, That would come Mm -hmm. in as I started to work in class. Once I started to work on, you know, really good um, theater pieces and and scripts and plays um, and felt the power that an actor can feel on stage. Right. I went. And succeeding in something that's a little more difficult than no, I don't mean this pejoratively, but being the, hippie hitchhiker right you know right exactly yeah i I can't remember that script at all or that moment but she was spot on with um the three teachers she she pointed me in the right direction and i started first with uh she wrote john lenn joan darling and milton katselis and i ended up with milton for 10 years oh wow right and um that's a legend oh he that class I was in was extraordinary. What extraordinary. technique did he use? So he had been with Lee uh, Strasberg in, in New York. And so it was a lot of what Lee was doing with, with you know, method and what Stella Adler would, would do with analysis, script analysis. Mm-hmm. And he would then try to kind of simplify it. You know, Lee, the thing with Lee is, um, is very... He would intellectualize a lot. Mm. Very, very smart man. And a lot of stuff would get complicated. You know, Milton found a way to um, sort of put that through a a filter that that actors could could just, I mean, grab it Mm. and make it work right then. And, you know, simple choices, but, you know, always the moments, truth, Mm -hmm. talking, listening, that kind of stuff. The secrets. (laughs) exactly you know if you can do that my god you know it seems so easy right Mm -hmm. it's so so hard to do yeah yeah exactly (laughs) so you do that for you're here with him for 10 years so you're you're working while studying yes yeah starting to get you know starting to get work starting to get you know a couple guest things um working i i think the movie 48 hours was one of the first things i did right yeah Stop starting to get work, um, doing theater. Modeling's uh, gone. Modeling's gone. Yeah. Modeling's gone. Yeah. Still with the short hair. Yeah, yeah. I just, you know, I mean, it, it would go a little bit longer, but I, I would just come back to it. It was sort of like, and then, of course, with Star Trek, you know, it, it, it stayed. You had like the best hair. <laughs> <laughs> 
so so you start i mean do, uh, do you get any like recurring roles that you can start to sort of understand and sense what it's like to carry on a character for more than one episode yeah i mean i did a couple pilots um i love talking about the pilots yeah oh, pilots. <laughs> did, did you have any great ones that went absolutely nowhere my first pilot it was a futuristic Three Musketeers where guns were outlawed, but the bad guys had guns. You can see that why that didn't go anywhere. <laughs> wow. Wait, so the show was about sword guys going to gunfights? Basically. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it was sad. That's fair. Yeah, we're right. Yeah. They're outlawed, but so are the outlaws. <laughs> I did I did one pilot um called The Family Martinez, and it was way ahead of its time. It was um like a Latin family. Uh, Tommy Tommy Chong was mm. one of the producers on it, and I was the prosecutor, and the public defender was um, that was always up against me was Robert Beltran. No way. Yeah. So he and I were always at it with each other, you know, right. in the in the legal drama. But it was a sitcom, so we were just at it, and we end up, of course, falling in love. Hmm. Right. somewhere down the line sure. so yeah but wow. but it was way ahead of its time in the sense that you know it was just a full-on latin cast and granny oh, wow. and mother and you know a couple sisters did it see episodes or was it just the pilot just the pilot yeah um and then uh how does tng come into your life so tng um i was i did a movie called miracle mile and it was a really cool indie film uh, with with let's see, Mayor Winningham and and Anthony Edwards were the were the leads, and it was um, there. There was an indie company called Hemdale mm. that was David Hemmings and John Daly, and this was when indie films were just starting to make headway. Right, you know, they were, it, it went to Sundance and blah blah blah. It was a really cool film. And that's when the audition came for TNG. Um, now, let's go back to 1986. And TV wasn't like where you aspired to be. No. <laughs> so when I had my audition, um, my sides for TNG, I, was, I remember being in the makeup trailer on Miracle Mile and hiding them. Because it was TV. Because I didn't want anyone to know I would... I would actually be considering going on this audition. Wow. Because back then you were on two tracks. You were either on a film track or a TV yeah. track. And they didn't, at that they time, didn't they mix. didn't cross over. No. And I was in this class that was filled with, you know, these actors that were starting to, you know, get, get film roles and get indie film roles. And, and, the, and you know, TV was where you kind of like did your shitty work. Paid your rent. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Times yeah. have changed. Right. <laughs> yeah. Amazing, right? Yeah. So, um, yeah, that's when, but, uh, and again, I was originally considered for the role, role that of Deanna Troy. Right. Yeah. So that, and. So that, did you, did you get that role? And then it was, no, how did we, that work out? Oh my God. There were, there were probably a series of five auditions. You know, first was with Junie Lowry, just the casting. Um, the next was with Junie and maybe one of the producers. The next was with, you know, the producers, G Junie and someone from Paramount. Yeah. 
Then it goes to now Gene is brought in finally, right. Gene Roddenberry, and and then you and, and that's when Gene flipped it. He said, "You know, would you consider reading for the part of uh, Tasha Yar?" He said, "I I just I have this crazy idea." And I said, sure. And he get, gave me the script and, and I went away and, and came back in and he goes, that's what I want. That's how I want to play it. So he just oh. kind of made it up in the room. And you just went off for an hour or so? No, I th- I'm pretty sure I took it home and, right. you know, yeah. and, and looked at it. Yeah. I mean, I'm good, but not. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not lying. I'll be, I'm right. Not I'll be right back. <laughs> yeah. oh, I got this. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and so then the casting happens. <clears throat> the casting happens. Um, I'm still. What did you know about Star Trek? Nothing. Okay. Oh wait, no. I mean, I had seen the original, right? Um, but I didn't watch it, you know, in '63 or whenever it came on, or '66, '67, '67. Yeah. Um, I I watched it when it first went into syndication, you know, and it was on every night at five, right? You know, and we'd smoke joints and watch Star Trek, right? <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> Best, best way to see it, by the way. Um, and then, yeah, so I was living on that organic farm I was telling you about. Mm-hmm. Um, and an 85-year-old Italian immigrant um, owned the farm, Chico. So Chico and I would watch Star Trek t- together every night. And I often think about Chico, you know, how ironic. He, he didn't live to see me do the next gen, mm. you know. He would thrilled, though. Oh, my yeah. God. The irony of that, you know. Yeah. We 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 began we began and 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 it was like I wasn't I wasn't quite sure about it. and it's really interesting we're talking about this now because I as I told you I've been I've been going through the episodes with Ciroc mm-hmm. and Ryan on their um, the seventh, seventh rule, rule. Yeah. and I haven't seen the episodes in thirty five years oh wow how fun and it's like oh that's got to be a blast wow really that happened and yeah and there's 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 complete episodes i have no memory, no memory of, of it all at all uh we were talking about this uh earlier in that and i watched some episodes last night and i hadn't ever i'd only seen a couple of the first season but i hadn't seen the ones that i watched last night and you know there'd been i think it was four movies mm-hmm. prior to that mm-hmm. and it seemed as though and you referenced this it seemed as though they were styling it to be like the original series, at least in the first season. Or no the first question. couple of seasons. Yeah, had, you, had, you had those sort of like opaque backgrounds that were just like a, a curtain and, and the rocks. Mm. And, and that's because um, Gene. Gene was still present. Gene was still running the show. And a lot of the people that worked on the original series were in the next generation, were mm. working behind yeah. the scenes. The costume, especially that uh, costumer, season. yeah, uh, you know, all kinds of producers. And Gene felt very strongly, um, and like a proprietary, you know, he uh, about the original original show, yeah. and he, that's what he wanted. He just wanted that look. He wanted that style. He wanted that template. Right. And and um and that's what he was going for. And it didn't change, really. I think until you know maybe Michael Pillar came on and until he and, passed. Or, yeah. Yeah. And what was it like to work with him? Was he there? Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. oh, he was really present. Oh yeah. And he was lovely. You know, he was just a um uh cuddly just giant you know of Mm -hmm. a man and and very supportive very um 
uh, there for any questions, not judgmental. He really believed that, you know, he was handing these parts to us and now it was, it was for us to take it. And how did you feel, um, with the cast initially? Was there, were you all gelling really quickly? Uh, it, it's a lot of work. You, know, yeah. you have to yeah. on some level. I mean, look, you know, that was, um, 26 episodes a season. Yeah. We didn't have a sense of place at Paramount. You know, we had this these kind of shabby, disgusting trailers. Mm-hmm. We were sort of like the, you know, stepchild children. Right. And and there was no food. I used to steal food from the set of Cheers. <laughs> <laughs> Don't tell them. No, no, no. They were like, so, I mean, they were like, they, you should have seen their craft service I'm table. Sure. You can imagine. It was like lobster. Right. You know? when, you're the, when you're the king of the campus. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, you know, we had tomato slices and cremora, you know, right. on our craft service table. And, um, yeah, the hours are brutal, you know, and and you're just slogging it out with each other, and you really you really have each other's back. That's you know, we used to I used to get the um, unit production manager if we were going into overtime, which we inevitably always did, right. knocking on my trailer door and saying, "Listen, we have only one more shot, one more shot to do to get. Okay, would you waive your overtime?" Oh, oh wow. wow, wow! And we didn't. We were all so nice. I'd never done a series before, so I thought. Oh, well, is is that what everybody's doing? Oh, yeah, everybody's doing that. Okay. Until oh, wow. we all started to talk to each other and go, screw that. Yeah. yeah. Don't do that. We're not doing that. You're going to force me, pay me. I. But we were like, okay, whatever whatever you guys, Cheers you know, would do it for the, the take it for the team, you know? Yeah, right. Until we wow. realized that's not cool. At all. Mm-hmm. Or- Legal? No, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there were so many. Th- oh my God, I you, I can only tell you, you know, stuff. You, there's no way you could get away with the stuff we did on really? that show. Oh my God! First of all, when we'd go to an away planet, you know, all those missions, yeah. they they pump in this like noxious yeah. smoke <laughs> that was, I think, I don't know, what, it was oil based. Some oil based, yeah, and yeah. we breathing it in. got. We were all deathly ill, either with diarrhea or bronchitis oh, or God. both. Oh my God. Until we had a SAG rep come to the set and say, you cannot do this again to the producers. That smoke is not going to happen or we're going to cite you and shut this place down. So wow. they had to change the whatever that is, you know, to make it. Poison so gas. Po- the point. <laughs> They had to stop using they, poison. They, yeah, yeah, right. They, they, and use, you know, some some healthy toxins, you know. Right. Um, Mineral oil. Yeah, yeah right. I mean, it was, toxins. it was, you, you could feel it on your skin. That's terrible. I had a fight scene in episode, the, the, the most ridiculous episode, Code of Honor, where um, a, I have to fight the, the king's wife, um, in sure you do. <laughs> okay, we we beam down. Yes. It's an it's an all black planet. Yes, I was gonna okay, say, so. and the 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 king speaks like you know. Oh, I want the white woman, you know, to be mine. <laughs> so you must you must defend. You must you must fight my wife, and whoever wins, I will marry. Yeah, and <laughs> I, I'm I'm looking I'm looking at, at at the rest of everyone, and I'm going, guys. So never get on the air. Right. <laughs> we can't be doing this. 
And, I'm, and we keep going and we keep going. So, you know, Tasha Yar has to fight this wife in on what looks like a jungle gym. Yeah. It's made of neon fluorescent tubes, glass tubes. We're up on these risers and we've got stunt coordinators teaching us the move. You'll go here. I'll go here. You go here. Well, the girl that I'm doing, the actress that I'm fighting missteps and knee jerk reaction reaches for a glass tube breaks. Now you have you have that neon gas flowing and a shard goes in my eye. Oh, for F. Now who stages a fight sequence on glass to neon tubes? Honestly, I'm thinking to myself right now, who's the one who's the producer going like, yeah, that's a good idea. That's another good yeah. idea. Mm-hmm. Right. I got a whole notebook yeah. of them right Boy. here. Oh, my God. I, I'm telling gas. you, there is stuff. I, you scratch your head. There's no way. No way. Right. And so what happened to your eye? I went, They, you know, they take me to the doctor. Sh- shooting stops for me. They go on to, you know, something else. The eye doctor looks, flushes it out. Mm. Thank God, nothing. You oh, know, it was just a, like a tiny little okay. splinter. That's your eye, though. That's scary. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's okay. It's, it's yeah, my just, eye. Next. Go back to work. <laughs> get yeah. the blonde out of the blonde. Right. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> so how does the first season go for you? How? Well, what was... I'm sorry. Yeah, what, was sure. your, what was your first uh, moment on set? Uh, like, what, what, what? do you remember the first thing you did in your uniform? Oh, God. I can't know. I mean, you know, those first days are so... The world. It's you have nothing to compare it to. You're right. suddenly in a spacesuit on a, a a spaceship. Yeah. You know, in the 24th century, and you know what? I'm pushing these make believe buttons, and you know it's it, and going. You'll look at us, and we're so deliberate with our communicator. At right. first, you know, it's like. <laughs> yeah, I think I actually made a noise one time when I took my phaser out. Like, yeah, yeah. And, I, I did know. the same thing. When we, when we on our, in our in our pilot, we had a the very first scene I had with a, a face pistol. I'm going and and I'm going. Yeah. They say cut, and they're like, Connor, what are you doing? And I was like, What do you What do you mean? What am I doing? I'm shooting the face pistol. Are you making a noise? And I was like. No, honestly, didn't even think I was. They look back at me like, oh, you're going <laughs> like a little boy. Yeah, I exactly. I know. And, you know, we had to get used to working with that, you know, that green screen and, yeah, yeah. and, and, the, okay, now there's do the shaky, you know, and we got so good at first, you know, we're like, we're, we're like yeah. that. And then by the end of the season, we're like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Right, <laughs> just a little shoulder move. Yeah, I think I watched the second episode, and some of the shaking was just like wham, wham, oh, wham. Yeah. Oh yeah, and in the in the pilot in, encounter at Farpoint, which I I only know because I've been watching these again. Um, you know the command seats, not the the captain and and Riker and Troy sit up here, but yeah. but then you know Data and 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 Jordy or whatever down here. But they have this other ensign that's sitting in for data in one shot, and the the bu- the seats were like these, these deep buckets, buckets. Yes. Yeah. and the and the ensign is like yeah. this, right? Yeah, right. You know, <laughs> and like we're fighting a battle, you know. And he's like, "Okay, Captain, yeah, I got this." You know? And I'm thinking, "Wow, you he's might you might have to sit, sit up, up a for a second. No, I saw that, and I was like, "What? They, they look like recliners, they, exactly, or like you know, Mustang bucket seats or something yeah. from like muscle." Cars. Angle. Yeah. 
This is crazy. So, so yeah, the first day, I mean, the first, I'm, I'm sure I don't remember it really literally, but I know that we were just trying to embody this, this space, um, you know, set sure. this, this, who are these people? How do we um, move about here? You know, are they military? Are they not military? Are they casual? Are they, you know, yeah. it's all that kind of stuff that starts to, you know, have yeah. to. Was Gene a big part of that in terms of giving sort of tone and uh, energy? No, no, he wasn't. We, we did do something that I noticed they abandoned when I went back in subsequent seasons. We did have a table read. Um, of oh. each new script. So lunch would be called in, you know, sandwiches or something in some conference room at, at Paramount. And we'd all sit there and go page by page mm. and and just um, ask questions. Gene was always there. Rick Berman was always there. And, um, you know, that was really helpful. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. We and never I don't did know, that. No, I, I, I don't understand... You know, because I've done it on many other shows. Right. You know, usually they always have a table read, mm-hmm. and they're so helpful. So well, helpful. It just breaks the context for your character. Context too. and and it breaks. It's an icebreaker. You know, you- Dominic, Dominic tells stories about he'll say some line, and now that he's rewatching the uh, the series Enterprise. Mm-hmm. All these years later, he's like, "Oh, I would never would have said it that way if I'd have known that that's what the episode was about." Right. It just happened to work. And for guest actors, too. Yeah. I mean, you may have an idea about what you're doing, but, you know, my God, especially on your show when it was, you know, coming back and, you know, what's a what's a Klingon like now? Yeah. Yeah. What's a Romulan like now? Right. What's anybody doing now? And that's uh, so helpful. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, I, I you would see the guest actors just... <laughs> Their eyes would go, you know, yeah. start twirling. Because I remember working with uh, Chris McDonald when I did yesterday's yeah. Enterprise. He pulled me aside and he said, he goes, how do you do this? And he's a tremendous actor, yeah. you know. I said, I don't know. You get, you just kind of lock in. <laughs> you guys are great in that episode. Oh, God. Thank you. I, yeah. I love Chris. We had... Um, just immediate chemistry mm-hmm. and he just was delightful. He made me laugh. He, we broke up a scene that we weren't even in because we were laughing. <laughs> we were laughing in the background and it was, it, it was like a page like this for Patrick. Oh. And we, he covered for me. I, we were like fixing the machine. We were down, you know, fixing the ship in some way. And the two captains are having this really serious, um, long monologue. Yeah. And and Chris and Chris looks at me and I look at him and I just go <laughs> and I start fake coughing. And Chris goes, Oh God, I'm sorry, can somebody get her some water? Like I we totally Thank God. totally oh, covered for me. You. you know, Patrick just like <laughs> I'm working here. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's the uh, that's the uh, the Federation is losing to the Klingons speech that he has. Mm. Oh. Yeah. That's that episode, by the way. Yesterday's Enterprise is not only is it one of the best Next Generation episodes. It's on my list one of the best of all of Star Trek, oh. all of the series, is, and quite possibly one of the best television episodes I've ever seen. That episode has stuck with me since I was a little boy in northern Minnesota. It's so good. Yeah, it's fantastic. You're so sweet. Yeah, it's absolutely my favorite. I mean, I always make the joke I had to die to get off, you know, get a good episode. Right, right. (laughs) 
<laughs> right. Well, so let's get into some of this. You know, mm-hmm. your 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 year uh, on season one, and um, you know what what leads up to where uh, it ends for you. So you know, the the first season, um, the writing was up and down. You know, um, really, really. Uh, it's awkward. It's, it's like a fourth the season se- of the original series. Yeah, it's, we were talking about. Okay, the so it's yeah. it's it's not it it's not compelling. Um, a lot of episodes are going by where I am literally standing on that horseshoe bridge, saying nothing. I have no dialogue. I have no contribution for the whole to episode. the yeah for the whole episode. If I sit, do anything, it's I I captain, mm. and. I used to make a joke. Why don't you guys just do my legs, like do a mock-up and just keep the camera low. I'm, you know, you're on Patrick here and I'm, it'll look like my legs are in the back and I can go home. Right. And they go, oh, Denise. I go, I, I am actually, really, that's a really good idea. Right. And, you know, I was just getting increasingly um, frustrated and worried that this was going to be what it was. For six years. Right. And again, remember the 80s and TV is, you know, where you go to die, you know. And, and you're seeing your death. And and, oh. and it's not like, exactly. And it's not like I'm making, you know, 500,000 an episode, 400,000 an episode. We weren't paid very well at all. I mean, compared, mm. my God. And um, so, you know, there's there's all the factors that would would make you stay in something or you you know you kind of go well look i got a mortgage to pay i've got kids to raise i've got you know i i don't have the luxury of that i didn't have any of that Mm. so it was like mm, i was and then it was a series of talking to the other cast members talking to the producers writers trying to get some sense of where are they going with this Mm -hmm. i mean they had you know just too many characters and i thought it was going to be multiple storylines Right. Because that's what TV was moving into. You know, right. you had Hill Street Blues and stuff doing yeah. that for the first time. Right. That were doing ABC stories. Yeah, and I thought story, that's yeah. what it was going to be. Finally, when Gene and I talked, uh, he said, it's not going to be that way. It's going to involve the captain, the first officer and Data. That's what the show is going to uh, focus on. And whatever planet that's, we go to visit. That's because they were the new Kurt. That Spock was and McCoy. that was what he wanted. That's the 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 model he was mm. he was using. It worked for him. He said, "I don't want you to leave, but I understand your frustration." And he was the, the he was the only reason why I I could leave because he had total control of the show, and to let me out of a you know ironclad contract like that. Right, because they could oh. have sued you. They could have said they, no. They, they could have said no. Uh, number one, or yes, they could have sued me. They course. could have even said, well, great, you can't work for the next six years. All of that. All of that. Yeah, they've got you over a barrel. Yeah, wow. you signed. You, you know, you Were you in you for signed. the whole series? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Wow. Yeah, because But Gene that. had control. He, 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 the only way he was ever going to agree to do another Star Trek was that he didn't want to repeat what had happened to him with, you know, CBS in the beginning, right? Yeah, you know, canceled then, canceled then. All the yeah. control, the thing. He said, "I'm, I have complete autonomy." And so he said, 
I'll let you go. Well, just well, so the audience understands, <clears throat> as an actor, when you sign a contract, before you even go in for your final audition, you've you've signed a seven-year contract. That was, I don't know, I don't know why that was, why it was seven years, but it was that span of time. You signed it, and they had you for the seven years. They could fire you. If they you, cast you. If, if they cast you. Yeah. They cast but, you, you yeah. but you sign your, your life away before yeah. you do your last audition. Before you mm-hmm. get the job. Before yeah. you get the yeah. job. Understandably, because if you got did it afterward, you'd have been like, you know, I think I could I, use a little more money. That's right. <laughs> um, that's but right. you, not in your case, you you can't quit. If you do, they can say, okay, you're gone, but you can't work in television for the, the remainder, the, the, the entirety of the of this contract. Mm-hmm. They can sue you, or they can just say no and make your life hell. Right. Right. So for him to do that, I know, I know. Uh, but but he understood, you know, he, he, he didn't want anybody there that genuinely didn't want to be there, you know, which is understandable. Right. And um, he just was, he, I remember him saying, you know, I understand your feelings. I was a young writer once and I was frustrated and struggling and I wanted, I was hungry. He goes, I get that. I get that in you. And um, I don't want you to leave. But uh, I will let you go without any, you know, problems. So and then you wrote quit. This. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Did With you no feel, job um, to go to. Right. I mean, Did you I feel wasn't mostly like a, relieved when you were done? Yeah. I mean, it wasn't. And again, it wasn't like a, a rash decision. It wasn't like, yeah. I'm out of here, you know, and, and, and on the fly. I had really... Um, struggled for months at this point with, with uh, you know, with, and I was just getting increasingly hostile. I, you know, I, 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 I didn't want to bring that onto the set. Mm. You know, I, I wasn't, it just, everything about it was, was making me uptight and, and angry. And, you know, those other actors certainly didn't deserve, you know, my hostility. <laughs> <laughs> right. Were you the only one who felt this way? Yeah, apparently. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, Will Will didn't stay the whole time either. Right, Will right. Wheaton, yeah, probably for a similar reason. Yeah, yeah. Um, so then, to quell a rumor, but there was a weird backlash about Will's character that, you know, <clears throat> there was a lot of um, early hate on his character. There, there was, mm-hmm. and I, I, you know, fans, yeah. now watching these um these shows again, I, I just, I don't, I didn't, I wasn't aware of that. Yeah. Um, but I, I. I don't get it. You know, he's, he's adorable. He's yeah. yeah. I don't so know. let's quell a rumor then mm. you were not fired for doing a playboy shoot on the set. <laughs> oh, you mean like I posed for playboy on the set? Uh, on, no, on the bridge. You know who that is? No. Um, what's her name? That was in sex in the city. Oh, Kim Cattrall. Kim Cattrall. Oh. She, she did. She, didn't she play something? She, she did. played uh, Vulcan. She was the bald headed. Okay, so in she in Star Trek Six when when the after everybody had gone, she came on and did like naked pictures of her. So uh, that on the bridge. Okay, all yeah. right. No, well. I I I wish that <laughs> <laughs> that would no, but that that was uh, yeah. Playboy was much earlier than yeah, they, re, they reprinted your original shoot. After Star Trek came out, well, after Star Trek. Oh, came they out. they re-released it. Is that the timeline? I mean, I don't know. The internet says who knows. Much different things. I mean, I think my Playboy was in eighty one. Yeah, 
and so 86 yeah was was so you're done with the show Mm -hmm. and then what i go home (laughs) make a sandwich um (laughs) (laughs) think about my life yeah um well fortunately soon after that uh came pet cemetery so Mary Lambert, who directed Pet Cemetery, she and I had done a number of music videos together um, back in the day when MTV was born. Okay. Right. So, um, and she now had become a superstar music video director because she did all of Madonna's early music videos, all those really, you know, scandalous ones too, the burning of the crucifix mm-hmm. and, you know, right. all that stuff. So, the good ones. The good ones, right. <laughs> Um, so Mary is starting to direct. She's made, uh, one other film called Siesta, which is a really pretty cool film with Miles Davis doing the soundtrack. And she gets this film and she had always said to me, we've got to do a movie together. We've got to do a movie together. And she's, I can count on one hand, the people have actually come through that have said that and done it. And she did. And so Back at Paramount, I have to screen test for Pet Cemetery. Right. Yeah. So that happened. That happened f- like fairly soon after I left. Maybe so when you, a year when later. You went back to Paramount. Did you still have to go get food from the set of Cheers? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we we shot in Maine. We shot that oh. whole movie in Maine. Um, and yeah, the was Stephen t- King there? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. He was great. Um, we we had like two weeks of rehearsal. So it was just Mary, myself, Dale Midkiff, who plays my husband, Fred Gwynn, um, and uh, Stephen before wow. we shot. So we'd meet in like um, a little, you know, conference room. And Stephen was great. He just, uh, again, that like Gene said, he wrote, I, I brought my Pet Cemetery book for him to sign. And he wrote... Um, you are Rachel Creed, and Rachel Creed is you. Love, Stephen. Oh, I still know. have it? Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Wow. Yeah. I'm just forgetting. I did a movie right before Pet Cemetery. So, like, the first job I did after um, I left Star Trek was something called um, uh, Tennessee Nights. And uh, with Julian, Julian Sands. And we were down in Nashville, yeah, mm. doing that. Because I, I, why I'm thinking of it as I was reading Pet Cemetery while I was in Nashville, oh, reading, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, working on Tennessee Nights, and it was this old, um, it was this old historic hotel, and um, Minnesota Fats, you know, the great pool, the pool player, lived pool in the hotel. This is in Memphis. Is it Memphis? Maybe it's Memphis. In, in, yeah, it's in, the, Memphis. in the Peabody? Yes, yes. Where the ducks? Yes. Thank you. Not Nashville. Memphis. Minnesota Fats was living in that hotel. So it was it had so many weird nooks and crannies. Okay. So I'm reading Pet Cemetery, and it's like a kind of windy night. And suddenly my closet door goes, like that. I threw that book across the room. It was, I was terrified in that hotel. There you go. So the Peabody is famous. There was a very wealthy woman who uh, had a penthouse there at the top and um, she had pet ducks. Loved them so much. And there were always 
I believe nine, maybe eight. But she had the other penthouse where the ducks lived. Oh, God. And then every day at five o'clock, the, you know, concierge would trot the ducks down in a line, go swim in the little pool. It's become a whole thing. On the elevator? The down, they had their own elevator. They had their own elevator. Oh, for fun. And the ducks would just go along. The ducks can swim That's for a while and then hike back up. And their ducks are still there, right? Still, and they yeah. still have, they keep yeah. eight or nine, whatever it is. They keep the same number that this, I don't know who the lady was, but um, yeah. just one of those funny sort of Southern charming weird things. Absolutely. Gothic. Yeah, Gothic. totally. Mm-hmm. Did you, uh, were you like, I'm done with television? <clears throat> <laughs> um, gosh, I don't, I didn't really, no, I I was always open to, you know, a, a good part, a good role. I was soon after um, I left offered Babylon 5 and I turned it down. Um, Were you worried about being pigeonholed in the sci-fi world? That's I, crossed my mind. I know. think, listen, I think I was in, in, to some degree. I, I thought, you know, the character of Tasha Yar was this, you know, formidable, strong you know, female, and that that's, I couldn't get any other parts, you know, that weren't like, you know, I couldn't get the disheveled, uh, needy, traumatized role, right. you know? Yeah, yeah. Well, Nana <laughs> talked about this uh, when we had her on, and, and she was saying, you know, uh, you know, just the very description of her character was such a, you know, she's like, oh, heck yes, I want to do this. Yeah. Because, you know, otherwise... Um, the, what does she say? She said, like, if I've got blonde hair, I'm getting murdered. I'm getting murdered. If I've got dark hair, I'm the, I'm the murderer. murderer. Oh. <laughs> you know, so, yeah. you know, really sort of just pigeonholed in your sex alone. You know, did Nana mention the, the, the show that she and I did together before Star Trek? Mm-mm. No. Oh, there was, um, it was, it was a TV show. I think it was called Uhura. Could that be right? Uhura. Oh, I saw I mean, it on IMDb, yeah. Is it? Is yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. So um, I think Pat Morita was the star. He played a a, a detective. Mm. Mm. And Nana and I are the guests. I'm the baddie. She's the good girl. Oh my god. And I think I have an affair with her husband. And we want to get her. We want to get rid of her. Right. <laughs> the husband and I plot to get rid of the wife, oh which is Nana. God. Right. And so Nana, Nana and I just adored each other. We just you immediately. know immediately adored each other. And so cut to many many years later, you know, and we would see each other occasionally in, on auditions. We'd once right. in a while read for the same role, and we always adored each other. And I remember she turned me on to Chanel makeup, hmm. Chanel base. Oh, which I used all through Star Trek. That's awesome. Uh, yeah. Yeah. We talk about that. Um, you did something amazing. <laughs> you made a documentary. You made two Trekkies. What? How? Why? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that is still a good question. Um, wow. Well, <clears throat> okay. So, you know, it, it sort of, it's a multi-pronged answer. I personally love documentaries. I just love them as a, as a uh, genre. And I, I see a lot of them. Roger Nygaard, who directed Trekkies, my partner, um, I uh, acted in his first feature film. He directed another Minnesota boy um, called High Strung. And we, 
remained friends. So we would periodically see each other and have lunch. And we were having lunch one day and I had just come back from a con. And I, and he was fascinated. He goes, so what, what is this con thing? What do you, what do, you do? And who, what, what's it like? And I was trying to walk him through it. And I said, I just can't believe no one has really made a documentary about this. Um, it just, it's just got so much there. There's, there, it, people always want to know what are Star Trek fans like? Like, you really? You, you are, don't they creep you out? Or do they live in the basement? Or, you know, what is right. it about Star? You know, why would they do that? Why would yeah. they get together in these things? Why, why, why? People that are more fascinated by that, they, they could care less about the show. I have friends who've never seen an episode of Star Trek. Right. You know, but they love Trekkies and they mm-hmm. love the whole, you know, thing. So I said to Roger, I, I just can't believe no one's made a documentary. And he said, why don't we make a documentary? I said, we don't know how to make a documentary. <laughs> what do you mean we make a documentary? He goes, it can't be that hard. And I said, well, well I, I mean, I don't know about that. And he goes, look, I'm working on a script right now with an indie company called Neo Motion Pictures. They've got an editing machine right there. I know a camera guy. I know a sound guy. You and I, let's find a convention. Is any coming up? And there was a charity convention that was always held at the airport Hilton mm-hmm. um, for the Actors Fund. Oh. This was, the, I, I'm trying to think of the gentleman that, that did it. He had done, I think he had played in one of the original series um, features. Mm-hmm. Um, it was coming up. I said, and Roger said, listen, we'll go for the weekend. We'll, we'll, we'll ask some questions. We'll, we'll, we'll hit the ground running. We'll film. We'll look and see, we'll look at it and see if there's, if we have anything. Yeah. If we do, yeah. we'll keep going. Yeah. We'll keep going. So I said, great, I can get us into the con. And the, we, that was our very first day of shooting at the Hilton. And by chance, almost, the origin, almost all of the original cast was there. Oh. oh, wow. So because I could go up to George or Walter or Nichelle and Jimmy um. Every uh, the only two that weren't there were were Leonard and and Bill. Mm. Everybody else was there. Harris um, and and um, our, our sound guy each had their own equipment, and everybody agreed. We made a deal with them that if we get this, if we make this documentary and we sell it, we'll pay you you uh, your salary and a half mm. if you agree to do this for free right now. Oh, and they did. Oh wow! And wow. we did. Wow. Once we sold it, we paid them, you know. So did you get all of the characters who wind up fleshing out Trekkies from there? Um, so what we did, genius on Roger's part, he got some um, fan sites on the internet and put out a couple of emails saying, we're making a documentary about Star Trek fans. If you think you have an interesting story, we'd like to hear from you. So people from all over started responding and we started to pick a few and we sort of predicated it on whether I was invited, like if I was invited to a con in Des Moines, um, I would cash in my ticket, I would get our crew tickets Mm -hmm. for pretty much the same and we would go to that person 
if they lived near Des Moines, we'd go to go see them. Oh. So we started to be able to tease out these people. Right. We heard about, you know, Barbara Adams, who went to the Whitewater jury in her Star Trek mm-hmm. uniform. I mean, that was all over the news. So we said, <laughs> we got to go to see her. Contacted her. And um, she said, oh, yeah, I would love to talk to you. And heard about this dentist in, in Florida whose practice was completely tricked right, out. Right, right. Like, welcomed us there. The young man with the, the truck. Uh, oh, God. So Gabriel... Kerner, the 14-year-old, Yeah, we did meet him at the Hilton. You did. I spotted him and I said, we got to have a kid. We got to have a kid. And he had that, you know, the detail, everything and his articulation and, mm-hmm. and his seriousness. And he, you know, he, Gabriel now has ended up um, doing effects. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. For all I've, kinds I've of met stuff. him several times. Oh, yeah, yeah, good. <laughs> okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, what, did you run into any issues with... Um, licensing much to my shock the word trekkies hadn't been um uh copywritten really amazing right but they never tried to shut you down nobody was nobody got in your way i i'm telling you you know we did something i I, I, we just had luck on our side Mm. because um for instance the opening of Trekkies, I am on the Paramount lot. You know, hi, you know, I'm Denise Crosby. I'm standing in front of the Gene Roddenberry building. And, you know, what a phenomenon this has become. And we're, we're on the lot. Nobody shoots on the lot. You, you, it's impossible to shoot on the lot. Okay. Right. My husband, Ken, was in an acting class years ago with Sherry Lansing, who was the president of Paramount mm-hmm, at that time. Mm-hmm. Ken goes, I'm going to call Sherry. I go, what? How, what do you mean you're going to call Sherry? He goes, so what? You know, let's just see what happens. I'm going to call her. I'm going to call, call Sherry Lansing's office and said, um, hi, it gets her assistant. This is Ken Silk. I'm an old friend of Sherry's. Is she around? And um, she, she said, no, she's in a meeting. What, what, what is this about? Well, my wife, Denise Crosby, she was on Star Trek. I shot at the, you know, Paramount lot. And she wants to do a little um, uh, promo for a documentary she's making. She wants to shoot in front of the Roddenberry building. And the woman goes, sure, fine. Oh, right there. Well, <laughs> Roger and I walked onto the lot. Yeah. Just like that. Just like that. Just like that. We had a pass waiting for us. So for all of you out there, if you want to shoot on the Paramount lot, (laughs) just call a random secretary (laughs) or assistant or receptionist. I think she ran it by Sherry and Sherry, (laughs) but you know, it all comes down to who you know, right? Yeah, right. (laughs) Always. So how was it received? Well, what we were, you know, again, I love that we're talking about this because just last night I finished four chapters and Roger's written a new book about how to make a documentary. Oh. And he's dedicated four chapters to what we went through with oh, Trekkies. Very cool. He took detailed copious notes, which I wasn't aware of. While we, he has oh, well. every date who we spoke to, oh. how many months oh. went by before we got a deal. Right. I mean, it 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 was uh, it was mind blowing to just walk mm. through all that again. Um, so the movie was really well received. Um, people. Our biggest concern was striking the right tone. Yeah. You know, we were walking a very uh, fine tightrope. Well, they weren't, you know, they were made fun of. 
and which which was exactly what we didn't want to do. Right. What our intention was to let the fans tell their story. Now you're making a movie, so you're going to seek out interesting fans. Yes. You know, you don't want the boring um, whatever. So where is that line? And um, we would. Roger was editing, and while he was putting together rough cuts, we were showing to people like Richard Arnold, mm -hmm. um, different people who were you know embedded in fandom. Yeah. Like, have, is this going to work? Is this okay? Does this look like we're making Are fun? We making fun of yeah. them? Or, and yeah, and so we were we were coherent of that the whole way through. Um, look, there's going to be I uh, there's I'm sure people that feel. Otherwise, that I mean, I know some of my fellow castmates um, who refused to be in it, right. you know, who just said, I'm, you know, why you're making fun of these people. I said, no, no, I'm not making fun of them, you know, right. I'm showing and them, celebrating them. I'm yes. celebrating yeah, them, right. actually. Humanizing yes. them. Why are they such rabid fans? And mm -hmm. we're, we're genuinely wanting to know. Yeah. And, 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 you know, the friendships and. You know, it was just, I was sick of watching the 11 o'clock news, you know, hey, a Star Trek convention's coming to town, ladies and gentlemen, put on, get those Spock ears on, you know, yeah. and come on down and join us. <laughs> right. I knew there was so much other stuff going on. Charity work, friendships, you know, relationships, um, people that found a, finally a place to belong, mm -hmm. yeah. you know, in a society, in a culture that doesn't always welcome, you know, people. Right. And inspiration to do great things. Science, all that, you know, engineering, tech, technology, all that, you know, uh, people have been inspired to go into that, you know, field. Well, I, I hear this all the time. I'm Absolutely. sure you do as well. It's one Absolutely. of the things that I take such pride in about being a part of this is that, Absolutely. Is that there's something that I've done in my life, in my profession that is entertainment that has had direct profound lasting impact absolutely on people's lives isn't you know? that that's that's amazing it is it's so much bigger than us you know the sum of our parts it you know the whole is so much greater yeah than that and the further i get away from having done the show the more i understand that which is absolutely you know i i think that probably anybody doing one of the the series right now it you, you don't really get what's going on until later you know and right. and and the embrace of that you know enough you'll you'll meet enough people <clears throat> that will you know fill your heart with their with their um uh you know their story their tale i mean i'm i like to go to the conventions and listen to them mm -hmm. yeah. you know they're there to see me but i'm really quite taken by the stories that you know have been shared with me yeah yeah i even find sometimes that um, i'm not even sure they're there to see me they're there to see each other and we happen to be the entertainment <laughs> you know the reason yeah we're the reason you know? and that it's brings also, them together and the fact that it's such a interesting full circle that you've done in the fact that you didn't want to do the show after the first season and yet you bring this you know love letter to the fans yeah. in trekkies you know, these years later, it's just such a an, an interesting journey yeah. that you've been on. It 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 really, yeah. It becomes like what, the, like I I was saying, it's not the show that interests me. It's really the cultural phenomenon around it. Mm -hmm. Yep, that is far more interesting. Absolutely. to me. Yeah, you know, yeah. we're just conduits, you know, to that create this sort of. Um, uh, way of being but um yeah so it it it's um 
It is an interesting journey. Continues. Correct me if I'm wrong. Was there something about ownership of it um, that that you didn't have it for a while and then you got it back? Right. Yeah. So we made like a 21 year uh, deal with Paramount. Um, to distribute it? Or? Yes, to, to, to distribute it. They, they had the rights to it. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the end of that period, if they didn't want to renew it, it reverted back to it us. It was an exclusive, 20, it was a 21-year exclusive yeah. license. Mm. Right. Is that so, typical? Is that t- It's a little long. Uh, yeah. It's about 10 years, five we, years too long. I was going through those chapters in Roger's book. I, I you know, naivete, there's something to say about it because- um, you ask for things because you don't know that you can't right. or shouldn't. Right. So there were two things I held out for in that in in Trekkies. One, a theatrical mm. release. Mm-hmm. We absolutely um, wanted a theatrical release. And the second thing was I never gave out a tape for any executive to see. They had to sit and watch a screening. Mm. Oh, why? Because most people watch five minutes of a tape, an executive, and ejects it and goes, I've seen enough. Right, yeah. Yeah. right. So Harvey Weinstein wanted it, wouldn't, would you not. You made wanted Weinstein it. sit down and watch it? Absolutely. <laughs> wow, good for you. Good for you. Uh, Is this the, part of the naivete that you're talking <laughs> yes, about? Yes, <laughs> yes. Like who would say, I can't believe I would say that. Right. I would do that. I'd never made a film right. before, you know? And I'm, I'm telling the heads of studios, acquisitions, Nope, we will not give it, give you a tape. And it was starting to get buzz because we were going into festivals. Mm. Right. And, um, you know, they all talk to each other. Yeah. All yeah, these sure. execs. Yeah. yeah. So, and Paramount was the last, like, just dragging their heels. Yeah. We, I was moments away from selling it to Universal. Oh, wow. Really? Wow. Moments away. Literally, I mean, within hours. Wow. And Paramount jump, jumped up, jumped in. Did you have not though? Like you know, uh, yeah, it's it's one of their babies. Yeah, in a way. Yes, except they had were absolutely clueless what to do with a low budget documentary. That's not their, you know, Uh, right. That's that. And I was holding. Remember, I was holding out for theatrical. Yeah, yeah, right. You know, they could have said, "Oh, well, this would be great. This is a great video (laughs) home video market. Straight to video. Yeah, that's blockbuster." And I said, "No, no, 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 no." So, how many theaters did you get? Yeah, good question. Um, I. I think, I think they were major markets and we, we wouldn't take less than 10. Mm. You know, Atlanta, LA, New York, um, you know, so the, the Chicago. Chicago. Yeah, right, yeah. Right. And um, how did it do? Well, it, you know. I'm sure it lived on video. Oh God, and, yes. And it didn't, you know, it, it lasted, you know, two weeks in the, in the in cinema, but. What that does is then Paramount, when when selling their other titles to foreign, mm-hmm. they have Package to bring. Yeah, yeah. Right. they got to bring. They got to buy Trekkies. Yeah, yeah. So that we were, you know, we were in the black immediately. Right. Wow. I mean, I mean, it, it didn't cost that much to make. I I think. I'm trying to think what, um, maybe three hundred and fifty thousand. Hmm. Wow. And you didn't go to Europe in the first one. It was the no, second one. No, the that second you went one. And yeah, that's when I grabbed you. Yeah. Because, um, yeah, the first one we just, you know, again, 
Well, we went to Paramount for the for for a budget for the second one. Oh, they had the first right of refusal to make right. a to make a sequel, and um, as they do right now to make a third. We have an idea for a third oh, and do. final oh, fine. chapter. Yeah. Yeah, because it's it it's changed so much, yeah, you know, already, yeah. and and um, you know, you'll be in it. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you'll be in it. I mean, too. it is interesting too because you you'll know, be in it, it, it too. It, Thank it, you. You know, Thank when you. you were when you did Trekkies, you know, we'll it, it was all sort of like <laughs> what do they call us? They call us legacy, apparently, legacy you know, Trek, the, the, the golden age of Trek and whatever. And, you know, we were on, um, and uh, it was starting to slide a little bit. In terms of you know hitting its apex and and fandom and you know how we got canceled and then you know it was fallow for a minute and then now it just it's exploded. I mean, how many are on TV right now? Five. Five. Are the right? Discovery, the Strange New Worlds, there's Prodigy, there's a uh, Lower Decks. Lower Decks. Yeah. yeah. I right. mean, yeah. You know, it's 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 well, what, you know, and of course you have Paramount Plus now, so yeah. they need product. Mm-hmm. They need product. And Star Trek is their money their, machine. Yeah, their, it's yeah. their, it, it kept Paramount alive for quite a while, I heard, you know, in the, in the dark days of them making crap movies. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Makes sense. <laughs> oh, yeah. You know, Star oh, yeah. Trek, they, 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 owe it, they owe a lot to it. They do. And I, I hope they, I hope they realize it. I think they probably do now. Mm. I, I would imagine. Um, should we go to some fan questions? Yeah, that would be awesome. Let's do Are it. Cool. For- all right, our first question, fan question, is from Thomas Labanick from Patreon. How did it come about for you to join the Suits cast, and what was your experience like? Oh, Suits. Um, it was fabulous. Uh, that was just so much fun to kind of bring it home. You know, that was the ninth season, ninth and final season. And I just got to kick some butt in that role. I mean, she was just formidable. I think she was called a master something, some kind of master. And she just, that character was was just so rich. Um, you know, it, 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 it's sometimes hard to walk onto a set that these guys have been together. So long. You yeah, know, for yeah. so long. Mm-hmm. And... Um, what they've gone through, you know, with Meghan Markle and, you know, all this stuff. And I just didn't know what, plus I'm playing, you know, a baddie. I'm right. just who breaks right. breaks them. And they were just, bring it, girl. We're Aww. here for Aww. you. And and um, it was, it was perfection. Well, that's, that's actually really interesting because like, what was it like going back to the next generation uh, after all those years where they had congealed in a certain way? Yeah, it was well, you know, there there were there were like four or five times I came back, yeah. you know. So the in the third season, um and that took me completely by surprise. I never thought I would see that yeah. coming, you know. Um so it was joyful. It was, joyful. You it was yeah, pardon? They just called you up one day and said, "We have a script." Rick Berman called me at home, you know, and and I thought, "What do you mean Tasha's alive and, and you know and, and no she's not <laughs> she died she I, is not I played her you know and, and I, I thought oh god it's not going to be some dream sequence you know right and they said no it's really good script and sent me the script and it was amazing and I said great let's do it um but on that show on on yesterday's enterprise you know most of my stuff is with chris yeah, mcdonald yeah. and i'm i'm not really interacting with any of the other actors except, except for whoopi goldberg except whoopi 
which I wasn't was so season. happy to, to, to work with, and Patrick. Yeah. So um, that was a little bit, I, I felt, you know, a little detached from, from the show in that way. Mm-hmm. Then I come back as Sila, you know, yeah. as the Romulan. And, Your own daughter. Uh, my own daughter. And, and that was a trip, you know. <laughs> I, I was just, um, you know, solidly trying to differentiate the two um, as, as an actor. Uh, and of course, I'm playing with Leonard Nimoy, and that's that's very interesting. And it's amazing, yeah. I know the very last episode, all good things. That felt very. I felt very disconnected at that point. Um, they were. It, it was like they were speaking kind of a shorthand language that yeah. I didn't quite. I didn't know the language. Yeah. You know, right? And that's understandable. And I, I never. I I never felt like I didn't know how everyone felt about me leaving. Yeah. I mean, really. Mm-hmm. I'm sure they had conversations that I just wasn't privy to. I I, I would imagine. Yeah, right. I know and others I feel cleaner with, you yeah. know, and in that regard than than some. But I I just always felt like are they liking me coming back? Do they, do they, does this push buttons yeah. for them? I think all of the above, right. all of the above. Right. Which makes sense. Absolutely. Yeah. It's a Absolutely. grind. It's like fighting a war, being in a show like that for that many years. Right. Yeah. And I, I remember once somebody saying to my son, she goes, I can't believe your mother was only on this show one year. And look at the and legacy. look at this. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And my yes. son's like, well, whatever. That's we my mom. That's <laughs> my mom. <laughs> she, she what? I don't know. Yeah, but we were talking about that before you walked in. It was like your your character was only there for a year, but the legacy that that character carried through that show and on is so uh, out of proportion mm. from the time that you were actually physically there. It's really it's impressive, and it's a testament oh, to you. Yeah, you know the well, fans of the show who recognize what's great and what's not. You know, as you we we're talking about earlier how the 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 distance now that you get from it you begin to see it in a different way mm-hmm. you know and i think that i i see how this character could really resonated with a lot of young women you know? yeah. Oh, yeah and and you know you 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 don't get it when you're when you're doing it you know right. one of uh, one of our patreon members uh, who got so excited when we announced that you were coming on the show kelly harper uh, was ba- basically I'll paraphrase it, but she said that she was so excited about your character uh, and how strong you were that she made her parents get her a haircut to look like you <laughs> when she was a if kid. If only she knew. And yeah. Now she will. Right. Okay. Next question is from David Pick from Patreon. Any good memories of guest starring on the X Files? Oh wow! These are these are good. These are, these are walking me through memory lane. The X Files. Um. So yeah, it was it was a, a yeah really cool show. I loved um, uh, Chris Carter, who, who you know created it. Really cool guy, um, really smart. I it was an odd time to be there for me. Uh, only that Jillian uh, Anderson and David Duchovny were not speaking to each other. Oh. It was one of those very um, tense, filled sets, mm. and you—it was—it was palpable. 
Yeah. And very uncomfortable, I remember. Um, Chris was great, on the other hand. And I knew David a little bit because he had, he had, uh, there was a there was an, a Showtime series many many years ago called the Red Shoe Diaries. Yes, and he was the narrator. He would did the pilot. Yeah. It was kind of his, you know. So our paths crossed. I did two episodes of the Red Red Shoe Diaries. So we kind of knew each other. But was that the Zalman King? Zalman King. Yeah. Dominic did one of those. Did he really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh my yeah. God! That they, they were a trip. Oh God! They were a trip. That was just the dawn of Showtime. Right. I think it might have been the first One series. Of the first series. Yes, yeah, I, yeah. if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, it and, was because you know, kind of edgy in the. Oh, oh God! The one I the one I did was so cool. It was called "The Right to Remain Silent." <laughs> I think it was the second episode. I play a cop who's obsessed with this guy at her gym, and she's gonna she's gonna have him, and she fought. She gets in her patrol. She eyeballs him and he gets in his jag and drives off and she's in her patrol car but she's broken his taillight out with her billy club already so so she she puts on her lights and pulls him over oh my god brilliant basically (laughs) cuffs him and forces him to watch her strip wow and i don't i don't remember what but zalman directed that one did did zalman direct um i don't know i don't know Zalman rode this guy like a maniac. He would scream at him. The guy was the, it was so scary to be on that set. Zalman loved me, but just ran. And I used to look at this actor going, how are you taking this? And he just did. He just did. He just shut up and he just did what he said. Oof. It was, it was... It was like the worst director behavior you could ever imagine. Did he direct your other one as well? No, that was in Paris. I went to Paris to do that one. You poor thing. I know. Somebody, you know, had to do the role. (laughs) Um, Next question is from Victor from Patreon. Uh, Did you have more fun playing Tasha Yar or Sila? Ah, well, gosh, you know, I certainly played Tasha longer and, you know, was was more invested mm-hmm. in her. So, you know, I think, I think definitely Tasha. Yeah. <laughs> All right. The next question is from Fran Castile from Patreon. Did she have any love interests on Star Trek, the next generation? You mean within our cast or, <laughs> or, uh, or in real life? Or in, <laughs> no, we were the most boring cast ever. <laughs> um, uh, well, Lieutenant Castillo. Yeah. You know, was my love interest that <clears throat> in uh, yesterday's Enterprise. Um, there, there always are little hints at things. Like I was watching. Oh, when when like Riker comes on board for the first time in the pilot, you see Tasha's like all like you know, uh, oh. and, like excited, you know, mm-hmm. and, and and kind of checking him out as he walks away. I'm like, oh God, I didn't, <laughs> really, I did that, huh? I know, I know. Um, well, and certainly Data. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The droid. The hot minute. <laughs> the fully functional <laughs> droid. That's right. <laughs> All right. The next question is from producer Chris. Who's right here? 
Uh, is it true that on your last episode of TNG that you broke the fourth wall and waved at the camera? Yes. <laughs> yes, you caught that, you <laughs> sneaky guy. You know, what happened with that is, um, so that that's, is that in Symbiosis, I think, is the episode title. And the script for my my death sequence was was ready first Mm -hmm. so we shot that first uh and then shot symbiosis obviously they reversed them when they aired it so that shot in symbiosis was um i thought to be my my final shot that i was ever going to shoot in next gen so somebody mentioned they said do something you know for like the 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 outtakes or something you know something silly so as Crusher and Picard are leaving the bay. I kind of look at the camera and I wave like goodbye to the fans. And so they cut and a cake comes and the producers come and they wish me luck and great, you know, we love you and all good things. And then they move on. And I'm thinking. They're going to have to use it. They're not not reshooting. Well, I'm not going to say anything. Yeah, and they were. I, I still to this day don't have the answer. Are, were the editors in on the joke, Maybe. or were they just forced? They had nothing to cut to. Right, that's awesome. I know, I that's know. Cool. I wow. know. I totally just broke the fourth wall. <laughs> that's really fun. I just watched you wave. Oh, you did. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's uh, funny. Picard is walking out of the sh- transporter room or mm-hmm. whatever, and you would jump up in the background and wave. Mm-hmm. That's kind of that's fun. Great. Nice, Chris. Thanks for outnerding me. <laughs> never, never. At the Casey Kavanaugh on Instagram asks us, "Did you inherit music musical talent?" Oh well, I mean, compared to. What? Uh, <laughs> I mean, That's funny. you know, yes, I, I, I believe that there's, there's some, but I mean, I don't, you know, that I don't pursue that. Mm-hmm. I don't, you know, make it a career thing. Yeah. But I love music. <laughs> and, you know, like I said, I studied and, and played uh, the jazz flute, classical flute, classical guitar. Oh, cool. And, um, you know, what I, I really am trying to get back to is piano. Oh, the piano. That's my favorite. Yeah. It's on my bucket list. Yeah. Me too. I have a question for you because I don't know, and I don't know if you covered it, but when you shaved your head. Well, I didn't shave my head. I just cut it really short. Not shave it. I just keep having that image of (laughs) short, short hair. Versus Kambada. Did you do that (laughs) because you were having, just having a moment or were you hoping they were going to fire you? I think I was, I was, I was basically saying we're going to do this on my terms. That, that was your. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, we're going to do this in my terms. Very interesting. Very cool. I love that. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's a that's a Playboy shot. Oh, yep. wow. You that's did a, cut it short. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Look at you. Crazy. Are we done with the questions? Yeah, we're all done with the questions, Well, we guys. also have Star Trek trivia. It's you and I against yeah. against Mark. Yeah. <sighs> Nana and I won yesterday. Really? Yes, they did. <laughs> yeah, really and I promised the fan who won a car, which... <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so, not a car. No car. A toy car. A toy, yes. A toy car. Oh, yeah. We can start uh, sending little, toy, little Star promises. Trek toy cars. This is, this is all going to get really bad now. <laughs> it does. It does. Nana was surprisingly, uh, not surprising, I don't know, but she, she was really 
She was really good at it. She yeah, knew. she she knew. Wow, stuff. she was looking at me like she knew all these answers and she was How ready for she it. And I was like, oh, <laughs> I don't know because good lord, she's been studying it. Yeah, <laughs> the encyclopedia. She's a fan of the Shuttle Pod show. Uh, so here's how here's no, how it works. Yes, so um, Erica will ask a question, and there are four answers: A, B, C, and D. Multiple and we choice. have to wait until she uh, asks it completely, like you know, finishes it. And then we say our name, you know, like Mark Connor. A buzzer. a buzzer. Your buzzer. That, that's is your buzzer. Oh, your name. oh, got it. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And you guys can talk it over between the yeah, two. Yeah, we get to oh. confer. Yes. Okay. He he's on his own. <laughs> Are you ready? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, question number one: Which of the following body parts is the oldest on Data's body? A. Left arm. B. Head. C. Torso. Or D. Right hand. Mark. I'm throwing it to Connor. Yeah, that was definitely you, Connor. Well, I'm going to get it wrong. Uh, what do you think? Um, head? No? Torso? The oldest. Oh, sure. We're going with left arm. Are you? Yeah? Okay. No, no, no. Not, <laughs> no, we're not going with no, left okay. arm. Mark, I'm Mark, bad. Mark, no. Mark. Oh my bad. Uh, torso. Wrong. Mark. Uh, Mark. Head. Yes. Oh, right? yeah. Head. It's like. 400 years old or something, I think. Really? Yeah, because there's an episode where (laughs) they go back back in time to San Francisco and Mark Twain is there and uh, he gets blown apart and his head gets found in this cave and it's all, yeah, so his head is super, super old. All oh, right. Yeah. Oldest Long head ever. Yeah. Oh, no. Data's right. head. <laughs> Question number two. Who is the engineer aboard the USS Enterprise E? A, Trip Tucker. B, Blana Torres. C, Jordi LaForge. Or D, Simon McCready. Mark. That actually was Connor first. <laughs> so E? Uh, no E. No, no. Oh, no, Enterprise no. E. Enterprise the E. Enterprise so e. the only reason e. I know this is oh. because... In um, yesterday's Enterprise, it's going from you go back to a C class. Right. They're on a D class. Yes. The next ship would have been Voyager, which would have been Bolana Torres. Torres. Mm-hmm. Right. I mm-hmm. mean, I think would have so. been Voyager in terms of the chronology. So you're saying Bolana Torres? Yep. Mark. <laughs> Mark. The answer. Jordy LaForge. Correct. Answer is C, Jordy LaForge. I'm sorry. The Enterprise E. So the Enterprise D <laughs> gets blown up by a bunch of Klingon. The Kl- Klingon sister. The Klingon sisters. The Klingon Klingons sisters. And it's what are they called? <laughs> what the are band? they called? Who are the Klingon sisters? The blah blah <laughs> sisters. Oh, yeah. No, they get they get the Enterprise D gets blown up in Star Trek Generations, and Riker crashes the saucer section on the planet where Patrick Stewart and and. Uh, William Shatner fighting uh, Malcolm McDowell, Malcolm uh-huh. McDowell. Uh, and then the Enterprise <laughs> E is in the the rest of the Next Generation movies. Oh, which Jordy LaForge is the chief engineer. Feels like a trick question. Jeez, <laughs> just, it just feels like a trick question. Oh my goodness, <laughs> we're doing great. Question. <laughs> question number three: In which season did Riker first appear with his beard? A, first, B, second, C, fourth, or D, never? Mark. I think that was Mark. Was it Mark? That was Mark. Yeah. Two. Season two. Yes. B, second. I knew that. I knew that. You knew that one? 
Me too. That's the only Darn. one. That's because you're working on your beard, so you're obsessed with all things. That's right. Exactly. <laughs> Question number four. Q is responsible for introducing the crew of the Enterprise D to which race? A. Endorians. B. Borg. C. Dominion. Or D. Bullions. Connor. Ooh. Mm. Borg? Did Q do that? It's the only one. That's all I got. No. Andorians? No, Andorians are in the original series. Yeah. No. Um, what What are they? The, the Dominions? <laughs> the Dominions. Mark. Wrong. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Sorry. Q introduces the crew of the Enterprise D to the Borg. Really? Yeah. You had it right. Wait a minute. The Borg. I, I thought the Borg had their own. Q wasn't in that movie when the we first they started. Oh, on. They started on the show. It's, oh, it was okay. in season... I, I've never seen it. It was in season two. I won't know any of this. I guess. Ensign Gomez uh, spills her hot chocolate on Picard and he goes to clean it up. And he ends up on a shuttle pot craft in the middle of nowhere with Q. And Q gets pissed at him for being so arrogant as to assume that he knows what's out in space and that they're ready to experience it. And he sends them to the board. Oh, Mark. I stopped Show listening off. about halfway through. I'm sorry. Borg core. That's called the whole thing. We Borg. lost. Borg. More like boring. <laughs> uh, question number five. Last question. Question. Oh, God. Sweating. Uh, I know, right? In Deep Space Nine, Chief O'Brien's wife, Keiko, is the station school teacher, but what is her trained profession? A. Counselor. B. Astrophysicist. C, terraformer, or B, botanist? Honor. Honor. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> terraformer? Oh, terraformer or, or, or astrophysicist? She's on a ship. She was a, what's, a, what's a terraformer? <laughs> You're asking me? Let's go with terraformer. Mark. Oh, oh, God. Help astrophysicist? Us. Botanist. Correct. It's botanist. Well, I love this so, game. Isn't a botanist she ran a the botany lab on the Enterprise in the next generation, <laughs> and when she gets to Deep Space Nine, there's nothing for her to do, so she school starts school teaching, and then she becomes a botanist again at some point in the show. Again, I stopped listening halfway through. I didn't, I didn't <laughs> catch, la, la, catch all. La, 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 <laughs> well, I'm glad though that you were able to. Uh, She's the reason I like orchids. And oh. you and Nana won this yesterday. They did. They did. Shockingly. Well. I don't know how. It's not typical. I no. That was that was the, that was the second time. Oh, Connor and Denise were playing for Slack Twaddle. Thank you, Slack Twaddle. Right. <laughs> Slack Slack Twaddle is uh, one of our Patreon members. Thank you for being a great Patreon member. Thank you. Sorry. And I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Next, we're playing on a deserted island with Connor Trenier. Um Connor, you want to explain what what we're doing? Yes. So. Uh, you're not with me on the island. Uh, you're on the island yourself for the rest of your life, and you are allowed four things. You're allowed your favorite author, all of their work. You're allowed a dessert, whatever one you pick. You get all of them. Maybe it's cake. You get all cakes. Um, your musician, you get all of their work. And your cuisine, French, Mexican, yada, yada, yada. So who would be your author? Oh my goodness. Um 
I mean, who comes to mind because I would have to be there for a long time, I would imagine. have a Forever. Lot of, yeah. Oh, Shakespeare. You can come with me now. <laughs> we can be on the maybe, island together. Maybe you can be on the island with me. <laughs> uh, all right. So then musician. Ooh, musician. I, I'm, I'm leaning towards like Carlos Jobim. Brazilian. I was going to say whom? Carlos Jobim. Yeah, I don't know that. Mm. Yeah, I don't know who that is. Just, I could, just beautiful listening. Yeah. Classical. Spanish, like yeah, yeah, bossa nova. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Cool. Okay. I'm not sure we're going to be on the island, anymore, but that's <laughs> that's a great. Mm-mm. You would. would I, I? You think? You, I, I, I'll play my phone and you'll okay. hear it. Uh, now, what are we at? Uh, dessert. <gasps> dessert. Oh, ice cream. We can. Uh. We can be on the island. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and cuisine. Just one kind of cuisine. Forever and ever and ever. <laughs> yum, yum, yum. Um, well, boy, I know that if I said Italian, I'd be the size of a house. <laughs> I'm going to say, I'm, I'm going to say Japanese. Oh, oh, yeah. That's a first. That's a, oh, nice. yeah. And it's also we're going to have a great time, <laughs> and I'll be thin. <laughs> Me too. The ice cream. <laughs> I got to counter that ice cream. Yeah. Well, on this island, you know what? Gets Nobody fat. gets. Oh, no, okay. No, no, well, no. why didn't you tell me that? <laughs> then pizza. <laughs> Just pizza. Denise, this has been fantastic. Thank you so much for coming on. It is. I was so looking forward to this. Oh, Thank you, Denise. Me too. I think we we had some good stories. Yeah. You're yeah. great. You're oh. Cool. And we do you. have one more. Me? Oh, God, what did I do? <laughs> I did Creamed nothing. us. I know. Oh, at we, got, we got goose egged. Sorry about that. That's all right. That's all right. Uh, oh. Connor does have a, a gift for you. Yes. We have a, oh. um, no. Figured. <laughs> you just, remember. Just to get ready for the cruise. <laughs> a bottle of Casamigos Blanco. Oh, my goodness. Thank You're you, welcome. precious. Aww. Yes, we have some history with this. Yes, um, we do. <laughs> and, and, and we're going to Mexico right. this time. That's right. Danger, Will Robinson, danger. <laughs> yeah, well, thank you again. Thank you, sweehearts. That's yeah. so kind. Yeah. So sweet. What, a, what a fun thing. Thank oh, you. Bless you. Bless you. <laughs> Like, subscribe, and join us on Patreon.